0: I'm Roger Wood, associate publisher of In-Depth NH, produced by the New Hampshire Center for Public Interest Journalism. I'm speaking with Dr. James Dean, Jim Dean, the 20th president of the University of New Hampshire coming this summer, the end of the fiscal year. And uh, Jim, I was thinking so long while preparing for this conversation we're having what would people like to know about the 20th president of UNH? And uh, I determined in my mind, and I hope I'm right, that they want to know more about the man. And uh, and that's what I'm going to pursue in this conversation. Uh, for one thing, I found that we have a couple things in common. Uh, one, we're both authors, although I must confess, uh, my works will never make the New York Times bestseller list. And, and number two, we're both... Um, quite enthralled with one of America's greatest heroes of the past. So let's talk about your writing and and your, your need to write, your goal to write, and your book.
1: Well, the book that I'm writing now is about universities, and it's written for a very specific audience, which is business people who are helping universities to get better. And those business people may be on boards of trustees or boards of governors or regents, depending on the state. They may take jobs as presidents or chancellors or professors. They may be philanthropists. Uh, They may be teachers in universities or colleges, or maybe even some other roles, such as a vendor. And what I found is that, number one, universities have a lot of problems which have some business content to them, whether they be financial or strategic or operational. And number two, that business people are often quite willing to step up and help, as volunteers or otherwise. But then, uh, number three, unfortunately, that I don't think universities have done a good job of orienting business people to how universities operate. And I think that's limited their effectiveness. So the book is trying to fill that gap so that if someone joins a board or takes a position coming from business to an academic institution, they can read the book and go, oh, okay, so that's how it works. Uh, Just a working title at this point. The working title is Inside Universities. And because it's written by an academic, it has to have a subtitle, so it would probably be something like uh, Business Person's Guide to Academics or something along those lines.
0: Yeah, fortunately, uh, you're coming into a university that was uh, the beneficiary of um, a large grant to help its business and finance uh, uh, major, uh, the Peter Paul School.
1: I'm aware of that. Um, Now, the book is not specifically about business schools because business people help universities really at every level, uh, but maybe particularly at business schools. But, yes, I'm aware of that gift and the naming gift, and I'm looking forward to meeting Mr. Paul when I get up there.
0: Let me, let me talk about our second commonality, and that is we are both admirers of Alexander Hamilton. And um, when I read Ron Cheronell's excellent book, um, I was awed, frankly, at his proclivity for writing and his uh, ability to, to, to organize in a young nation. At the same time, I was appalled at uh, how a a romantic uh, misadventure could haunt so much of his life, and how painful his death was. In, after the blood sport of dueling, which he eschewed, uh, what was your what was your impression?
1: Well, certainly both of those. I mean, he was certainly uh, uh, sort of a Wunderkinder. There's no doubt about that. You know, just amazing on what he was able to accomplish. I had no idea before reading the Chernow book that he was from a poor family. He was an illegitimate child. You know, the idea that he would end up to be one of the fathers of our country is almost impossible to believe. But if you'll allow me to connect this back to what what we're doing. Yes. uh, You know, they invested in his education. He had these people who saw the talent and people funded him to come to New York and to get an education. And so there was someone who had really very limited prospects, but because someone was willing to support him, you know, we got one of the greatest minds uh, in the revolution. And so that's a really interesting outcome. But I I think also, you know, the point that you make uh, is a really good one, which is that people are complicated. And he was on the one hand, this incredibly virtuous guy and a really strong set of moral principles. And on the other hand, you know, his romantic misadventure, uh, undid him in a lot of ways.
0: To what extent do your, you know, affiliations with his philosophy extend to, to the university? Are, are you thinking that it's not only business school uh, students who should be concerned about economics, but all majors?
1: Well, I mean, economics is pretty foundational. Yeah, so it, it feels to me that it's something that everybody should know something about. But when you go through designing the kind of uh, curriculum that everyone has to take, which is in, in many places called the Gen Ed curriculum, there's a lot of competition for that idea that everybody needs to know something about it. So you could make the same argument for history. I'd make the same argument for philosophy. I would certainly say statistics, um, you know, a wide range of things, the basics of technology. So while, yes, I would like to see people be conversant with economic principles, because I think they're important, you know that that tends to get worked out in a lot of discussion with with faculty members, and certainly as uh, as university president, uh, that would be more the realm of the faculty than the administration to try and make those kinds of decisions.
0: Sure, you have a a balancing act to perform, and on one hand, convincing uh, some of the most conservative legislators who are probably proud that the state gives so little to the university system, uh, and at the same time keeping uh, tuition uh, at a reasonable rate, Uh, kind of makes you a lobbyist, doesn't it?
1: Well, I hope not. (laughs) I certainly don't want to think of myself that way. But of course, you know, the university system as a whole and the University of New Hampshire in particular are claimants on on limited resources, just like, you know, any other group within the state. Um, And so, you know, what I hope if if I'm sensing the question that you're asking is that that I and my colleagues can tell the story of the University of New Hampshire effectively and that the legislators in the state will believe in the university and the university system and will do what they can to support us, recognizing that they have limited resources and a lot of claims on those resources.
0: Let me let me ask you this, um, distance learning. Um, Online learning, out-of-classroom learning, uh, Skype, or uh, other new technologies that let students attend classes. Uh, How do you feel about distance learning?
1: Oh, I feel pretty good about it. When I was dean at the Kenan-Flagler Business School at UNC Chapel Hill, my colleagues and I created an online MBA program that was certainly not the first, but it was among the first. It's done really well uh, in terms of the number of students who have have, uh, joined it. It certainly improved the fortunes of the school in a, you know, material kind of way. And also, you know, by all reports of the faculty, the levels of student learning have been as good or in some cases as better than in the traditional programs. And I think that that's sort of the untold story about online or distance learning that uh, all of the research has shown that it can be just as good and in some ways better than classroom learning, which is kind of a, a surprise, I suppose. But the research is pretty conclusive on that. I know that uh, the University of New Hampshire has uh, instituted a number of programs in online learning, and I'll certainly be interested in learning about those and, and see if it can even be expanded.
0: Yeah, I understand you're, you're really on a learning curve in your first few months. Can you maybe elaborate on that a little bit?
1: I'm not sure I understand the question. So I don't start until July, so I'm really on a learning curve right now. Uh, is, is that what you mean?
0: Well I mean you have to get yourself acclimated.
1: Yes, exactly. So I mean on the, the positive side I've been working at a public research university for the last 21 years um, and so there's certainly similarities among the instance between the two institutions. On the other hand, you know, New Hampshire has a unique uh, culture and set of values and government structure and so on that are certainly different from North Carolina and you know one's in the north, one's in the south, so I'm going to assume that it's different and I have to learn about it until it's proven otherwise.
0: Diversity has been a big topic of discussion for really decades uh, here in the Granite State. Uh, do you feel in, in your early discussions with board members uh, uh, and staff and students that, that, that the university is heading in the right direction?
1: I think so. I can really see the commitment to diversity and among the people that I've spoken to at the level of the board uh, of the leaders at UNH, certainly among the students and the faculty. And I mentioned in one of the talks that I gave uh, when I was there uh, this past week, that I really think that diversity and inclusion is is really central to the mission of, of public university. And really what public universities are about are uh, taking young people who come from all over the state or even all over the country and the world. and by virtue of education giving them access to opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. And to really fulfill your mission, that means that it, everyone has to have the opportunity to thrive and it can't be distinguished by people's uh, ethnic group or religion or really any other difference other than, than merit. Um, and, and that sentiment seems to be shared from everything that I can tell uh, among the colleagues that I've met so far. You know, having said that, universities are a microcosm of society, and, you know, it's not sealed off from society, Right. so so everyone, you know, all of the great challenges that society has are reflected in the university community, and unfortunately, that includes challenges in terms of relationships between groups and perhaps some stereotypes and so on, um, but I do hope that universities can lead the way in, in understanding and trying to share you know sort of goodwill towards people who are different and, and try and build and I think universities largely, <clears throat> excuse me, have built collaboration among very different uh, types of people and I, I hope to uh, provide some leadership to help that continue.
0: What are some of the essential differences uh, between UNC and uh, U of NH? Uh, you, know, you can maybe briefly discuss, I mean ob- obviously the U- University of New Hampshire has uh, three major campuses. Uh, two in in uh, sparsely populated areas and one in the middle of a city. And what about the difference between the two institutions?
1: Well, let's see. Uh, UNC is a little bigger. We have uh, in round numbers about 29,000 or 30,000 students, whereas UNH has about 16,000 or so. So that's a difference. You mentioned the differences in campuses. Uh, We're both part of a system, although the UNC system is quite a bit bigger. There's 16 institutions there, as opposed to four. Uh, Also, speaking specifically about UNC Chapel Hill, we do not have an engineering school, um, and so that's a big difference, because engineering plays a big role in university education, uh, and there obviously is one at the University of New Hampshire. Um, You know, we're both public research universities, so, so that's a similarity. We both have students from inside the state and outside the state. Uh, By agreement, uh, the vast majority of UNC's undergraduate students come from inside North Carolina in excess of 82 percent, whereas many more or a much higher percentage of students at the University of New Hampshire come from outside. Uh, We both try to have uh, low tuition. I would say UNC's tuition is a little bit lower right now, but that's a, a concern, of course, of all universities is trying to make sure that that the tuition and the debt burden is manageable for students, and uh, universities all over the country are really struggling with how to make that work.
0: Uh, I've got to let you go, but I wanted to ask you one other question. And I guess the question is, what attracted you to New Hampshire? Certainly, it isn't our three-season weather—fall, winter, and Indi- uh, fall, winter, and Indian summer. <laughs>
1: Well, originally I was contacted by the the search firm about it, and that was the first that I had heard about it. Um, And I came and did the the first interview, the the so-called airport interview. And I was really struck by the commitment and, uh, and commitment for and affection for the university among the members of the search committee. And that included students, faculty, staff, board members, And immediately, I could see that the university had had something very special. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to make it through that round and went back and really did some homework and did some due diligence and talked to people that I knew. And I I came to the conclusion that it was a really strong university that had the potential to be even better. Um, Also, I was really struck by just the, the caliber of people associated with the university. I didn't have the expectation one way or the other, but I was just impressed by everybody that I was meeting. And over the period of, I guess, literally months that the process rolled out, I became more and more interested. And so when I got the phone call that said that, you know, barring something surprising that I was going to be the next president, I I was really delighted and, and continue to be delighted. Well, I thank you very much. It's been a delightful conversation.
0: Well, I thank you very much. It's been a delightful conversation.
1: You are very welcome.
0: That's Dr. James Dean, Jim Dean, who will be heading the University of New Hampshire. For In-Depth NH, I'm Roger Wood.